Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. In the town of Bladenboro, North Carolina, just eight miles southwest of Elizabethtown, where I stay, it was said a demon cat from hell used to stalk the woods killing livestock and making the locals scared. Then it suddenly disappeared. That's what they say anyway. We know it didn't. To this day, there have been reports of something that looks like an abnormally large mountain lion with blood-red eyes and fur as black as night. Its cries have been compared to that of a woman being torn apart and screaming for her life. Luckily, it only has a taste for goats and cows, or so we think anyway. I will tell you there have been a few people that have gone missing. Some have been found, and to hear some of the police tell the story, the bodies were torn to shreds. It's not just located in Bladenboro, like most think. It goes from Bladen Lake State Forest to the Green Swamp Preserve area, which covers three counties and 1225 square miles. A friend of mine was hunting one day down in Green Swamp Preserve when it started getting dark. If you hunt in this area, you know. You've got to be out of the woods before dark by law. So he climbed down from his tree stand and began the long walk through the swamp and underbrush to where he parked his truck. Now my friend is a cornbread fed southern boy and has the size to prove it, standing six feet six inches with a weight of 260 pounds of pure farmhand muscle. He isn't small by any standards. So he learned not to be scared of anything. He said what happened next made him never want to go in the swamp hunting again. Making his way through the brush, he said he began hearing something walking through the woods toward him. He stopped to listen for it and said it sounded like a large black bear, so he got his gun ready just in case. When he stopped, it stopped. When he walked, it walked. He said it made him nervous, because whatever it was knew he was there and won't be running off. He said he started making noise and even shot his shotgun in the air. It didn't leave. Instead, it let out a growl, he said. You could feel as much as hear. All the way through the woods, it stayed just behind him out of sight. 
When he came out of the woods under the dirt road, he said his truck was about 50 yards down from him. He decided it was a pretty good chance that whatever it was following him was going to keep following or make a move on him there. So he took off running. It took off running, too. He said it sounded like a bulldozer was crashing through the woods. And when it broke from the woods, it sounded like a horse running through loose dirt. He could hear the stomps of its feet and the growling in its breath. He didn't have to look back to know it was coming and catching up to him. He shot behind him, hoping it would scare it enough to stop for a moment and give him a chance to make it to the truck. When he did, he said he must have hit it because it screamed, and for a moment he thought it was a person. That's when he finally turned around. He said it was jet black, as big as a 600-pound black bear, with a tail as long as its body, and eyes that were glowing red. He hit it, and it was just standing there looking at him as if to say, Now, you've done it. He bolted to the truck and jumped in. Just as he shut the door, he looked, and it was right there. He said it was so close, its breath was fogging the window. By now, he said he was shaking badly, and it was everything he could do to get the key in the ignition and start the motor. He drives a Ford F-354 wheel drive that was raised up so that there's a good two feet of clearance under the truck. He said this thing was on all four feet and looking eye to eye with him and his truck. The engine started, and he took off like a bat out of hell. He said it chased him as hard as it could until he picked up speed and stopped and watched him drive off. The next day, he and his dad went back with guns and looked around for tracks, blood, or even a dead body. He said there was no blood, even though he knows it was shot, and there were paw prints as big as his hands on the ground everywhere. Then they found a tree that nine feet up had claw marks, one inch deep in the wood, spaced four inches apart from each other. They didn't venture into the woods, nor did they go too far from the truck. Both of them said they felt as though they were being watched and didn't want to stick around to find out what it was. They got back in the truck, and that's when they heard it, a scream from the woods off in the distance. He said it was like a woman screaming bloody murder. It let him know it was there, waiting. Yep, there are many dark secrets in the woods. Charlie Daniels even wrote about these woods in one of his songs. If you ever get adventurous and want to try your luck, come on down to Green Swamp, and when the sun goes down, get real quiet. You might hear that scream. I hope when you do, it's off in the distance and not close by. Because if it is, well, it might just be the last sound you hear. My cousin and I were on a camping trip to the Bohemia mine area like we do at least two times a year. This was in 1992, or 1993, I believe in August, we set up camp and then hiked around until evening, then came back and made dinner. After dinner, it was dark, so we went up to Lookout Tower, which besides Bohemia Mountain itself, was the highest peak, about 6,000 feet. There was a major shower that weekend, and we went up to watch it. We stayed up there till about 20, one I think, and then went back to our camp. We stayed up for about half of an hour, then went to bed. We had a three-man tent to sleep in. At about 22, 23, I was just about to fall asleep when I started hearing branches breaking like something walking through the woods towards us. It started a ways away from our camp and kept getting closer. My cousin was calling my name and asking me if I had heard the sounds, but I was concentrating on listening to them and scared to answer him, so I just lay there like I was asleep. We had taken his car up there, and we parked it about 100 feet away from our tent because there was too many branches and stuff to drive it all the way up to the tent. The noises stopped, and all of a sudden there was high-pitched and fast whoop, 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 that from about where his car was parked. My cousin asked what that noise was and said nothing because it scared me to death. Then it started walking our way, and we just laid there and listened, and it got closer and closer to our tent until it came about a couple of feet away. We were so scared we laid there and didn't move a muscle because whatever it was had been walking on two feet, not four. It stopped making noise a couple of feet away, and we couldn't hear any walking until we could hear... It was right next to the tent. It had snuck up real quiet. We could hear it breathing. 
When my cousin moved a leg, it scared whatever was outside our tent, and it took off running, and we could hear the individual steps. It hit the ground like thunder. It sounded very heavy. It ran off about 50 feet and stopped. Then it would start walking back towards us, got within about 10 feet. Then we couldn't hear it anymore. Then all of a sudden, it was right next to the tent. It had snuck up real quiet again to our tent. It could move very quiet when it chose to. It moved from one side of the tent to the other quietly and fast. It would be on one side and then the other before we knew it. It did this pretty much all night. It had left once, then came back. Finally, we fell asleep off and on. In the morning, we looked for tracks, but there was too much forest litter to see any. We did not have any protection with us at the time, and I have never been so scared in my life. I have believed in Sasquatch pretty much all my life. My cousin and I go up there a couple of times a year to look for evidence and hope to have another encounter, but it have not. I have hunted since I was a little boy with my father and continue to hunt today, and I know the sounds deer, elk, and other four-legged creatures make when walking, and this creature definitely was walking on two legs. Deer usually visit our camp when we go up there, and we can hear them coming in the dark. They get close, and we can see them in the flashlight. I've read other accounts in books after ours, and have found a few similarities, like the heavy footsteps when it ran, the whoop, whoop, whoop. We heard is also in Roosevelt's account, I believe, as well as others. My cousin and I have read books about the 40s, and some of the miners reported seeing Bigfoot. There is also other reports from the Cottage Grove area that I have from old newspapers. I've became a volunteer researcher and have read a lot of reports, and my cousin and I have gone over this in our heads to make sure that it couldn't have been another animal that visited us, and we know that it was a Sasquatch. I'm Park Ranger Antony, stationed in the dense Ozark forests. I never expected the chilling events that unfolded during a routine patrol. Eerie whispers shattered the tranquility, drawing me toward an unknown present. Curiosity compelled me to follow the haunting whispers through the labyrinthine forest paths. They led me to a concealed cave, its dark mouth inviting me to uncover its secrets. With trepidation, I stepped into the dimly lit abyss. Inside the cave, I stumbled upon an unimaginable sight, a cryptid unlike any I'd encountered before. It had the body of a dog, agile and swift, but with an eerily human-like face. The creature, known as the Crawler, radiated malice. Without warning, the Crawler lunged at me with incredible speed and ferocity. I fought back, but its sharp claws left me wounded and vulnerable. Desperation gripped me as I realized the gravity of the situation. I needed a weapon, a tool to fend off this unholy creature. In my gear, I found a small hatchet, a humble ranger's tool. Clutching it tightly, I summoned all my courage and brandished it before the crawler. Surprisingly, the creature hesitated, its malevolent eyes fixated on the glimmering metal. Seizing the moment, I swung the hatchet with all my might aiming to scare the cryptid into submission. The crawler recoiled, emitting a chilling howl as it retreated into the cave's darkness. Adrenaline surged through me, knowing I had momentarily fended off the creature. Injured and shaken, I reached for my radio, trembling as I called for assistance. Relaying the unfolding events, I anticipated the incredulity that would follow. Who would believe in such an abominable cryptid lurking within our pristine forest? As I waited for help, doubts plagued my mind. Would they dismiss my account as mere imagination? Would my injuries be brushed off as a simple accident? Time would reveal if the truth of my encounter would be acknowledged. Nursing my wounds, I vowed to remain steadfast, despite disbelief or skepticism. Deep within the heart of the Ozarks, an unimaginable terror had altered my perception of the natural world forever. Help eventually arrived, accompanied by skeptical glances. Yet within me, the memory of that encounter would forever haunt, a testament to the cryptid lurking within the shadows.
was hiking the half-dome trail in Yosemite, and there was a group of hikers that were huddled together, and everyone had stopped on the trail. We were going to walk past, and they told us that someone had just died a little way up. We all waited around for another 15 minutes or so, and everyone decided we had to keep going. Someone had slipped or fallen and hit their head on a rock. Not in a dangerous area, but we had to walk by the body to the right of us with his family, wife, and kids crying to the left. It was really tough and changed the mood of the entire hike. Felt so bad for his family. I'd say it was the time I learned how ruthless nature truly is. I was maybe eight and my parents had decided we'd go out for a hike in the woods. Somewhere along the way, I saw a bird's nest on the ground and approached it. I got about halfway to it when I saw a snake in the nest in the process of eating the last chick in the nest. I'd say it's an important lesson for kids to learn. That nature doesn't give a flying F. I mean, but my experience was a bit extreme for an eight-year-old to see. Early on as a hiker, I'd been hiking on a trail in California with a fairly large group when I fell behind and it got lost. An hour or so after I'd lost the path, it had gotten dark, and I could now barely see two feet in front of me, even with a flashlight. Eventually, I meet this singular guy on the trail. No gear, no group, not even a flashlight. Just one guy walking in the dark in a baseball cap. He asks me if I'm lost, and when I say yes, he tells me he knows the way back to the main trail. I follow him while we make small talk, and eventually, when we get within 100 feet of the starting trail where I can see my group, he just turns around and walks back into the pitch-black forest without saying another word. My group tells me they've been waiting there for me for almost an hour, and that they had started to get really worried. They said they were cutting the hike short and that everyone was going home. Apparently a guy had shot his wife in the head five miles from where we were, and police were still searching for him because he had fled into the nearby forest. My brother is in the military and was doing a training operation in a forest the Canadian military has specifically for such activities. He had just finished a day mission and was being sent back in for a night mission. For the mission, my brother and another soldier were supposed to navigate in the dark to specific locations and find glow sticks set up in the bush. They got dropped off and were making good time finding three out of five glow sticks without issue. The fourth glow stick is when they began to struggle. According to my brother, him and his buddy were using night vision goggles, which turn everything a green color and any light becomes very bright. My brother's buddy suddenly exclaims right there, and my brother sees a glowing light seemingly suspended in midair. He quickly walks towards the light when it suddenly starts moving and becomes two lights. He falls backward and Crab walks away from the big-ass bear in front of him. They hadn't seen the glow stick, but the reflection of the minimal light in the bear's eyes. The bear was standing at its full height as they approached. As they both scrambled backwards and fired blanks up into the air, to scare it off it dropped down and stalked off into the bush. My brother and his buddy skipped the fourth glow stick and told their superiors about the bear encounter. They said they were lucky it wasn't a mother bear, or it could have been ugly. His superiors told him after that, the blanks they send them in with are basically useless because the animals in the area are so used to sounds of gunfire and explosions. My grandmother, my mom's mother, recently passed away about two weeks ago. It was a very hard time for my family and my mother. She was the very last grandparent I had as my other grandparents passed away years ago. Additionally, in April of 2021, I lost two uncles within five weeks of each other, both my mother's brothers. One was expected, and the other was not, so it's been a rough couple of years for my poor mother. She's slowly healing, but I'm sure it still hurts her. 
She was over at my house last night and was telling me about traveling back home. She had to fly overseas for the funeral and about how it was nice being with her family and just laughing and crying together. She had made it back home one day before my grandmother passed and got to see her one last time. My mom told me some interesting stuff that happened while she was back home with my grandma. The first thing happened after my grandma was hospitalized. She had been taken to the hospital at some point before my mom got there. Mom said while the family was visiting her, my grandma, who was 97 years old at the time, and mostly blind, said she could see her husband, my deceased grandpa, and my two uncles that had passed away, all standing in the room waiting for her. My mom and aunts and uncles were asking her what she is talking about, and told her there was no one here. I have heard about people seeing loved ones right before dying, so I thought that was really interesting. Not much after that, my grandma passed, and they had the funeral for her. Almost the whole town came to my grandma's funeral, as funerals are a big deal back home. My mom, of course, was devastated, but it was expected after all. That night, mom told me she had a dream that she was with a bunch of deceased cousins and family, as well as some living ones. My mom said she looked at her deceased relatives and said, What are you guys doing here? She said one of her cousins then said, We're just waiting for your mom. Mom said at that point one of her cousins, who was alive, came up to her and gifted her with two boxes of sweets. He said, One is for you and one is for sister. We are sorry for your loss. Mom said after that she woke up. The next day, my mom said she went to my grandma's house to clean out some things with my aunt. Mom said they had a ton of visitors and people coming by to pay their respects. At one point, my mom said her cousin from the dream came to see her. He had brought two boxes of sweets with him. He gave one to my mom and one to my aunt, and obviously my mom was shocked. She told him about the dream, and they all kind of laughed together and discussed it. My mom kept repeating to me how shocked she was at that moment when the same scenario from the dream happened. I asked my mom, who is 56, about what she thought about Grandma seeing the dead relatives and what this all means, the dream included. She said, I really don't know, but it has to be something good. I told her I agreed. In my opinion, there is something very comforting about knowing you could get to see all of your loved ones again when you die, and that they almost welcome you home as you pass away. This tells me there just has to be something better waiting for us after this life. I just know it. Thank you for reading. Right off the bat. I'll tell you, my 16-year-old kid telling absolutely the truth, so God strike me dead. I hope you don't take my report as bogus because of that. Let me explain my situation to you. I live and have lived on the Mala River for most of my life and never thought twice about walking around at night or anywhere, period. About two months ago, I was alone in my grandma's house using the computer when I decided to go home. My house is only about 50 yards away. As I was stepping outside, the most hideous feeling of being alone and fear thumped my heart. I kept walking in terror when, all of a sudden, about 30 feet off to my right, I heard a loud thumping sound crash out. From there on, being distorted by my act of running faster than I've ever moved before, I could swear I heard the distinctive two-legged footsteps veering toward me from off the trail between houses I raced in my house, slammed the door, locked it, and sat in the living room to calm down from my strange experience. The oddest feelings flushed through me then and now. Now, before you dismiss my story as a frightened child running from noises, he'll have to tell you of the strange past our 45 acres of land at the end of the Dickey Prairie Road has had around three years ago when we had cattle and cows fenced on our property, noticed casually of how they would. Always stay together and go near the barns at night. Then one day, we discovered two of them killed up in the woods by the drinking creek. The killings weren't average killings either. The cows didn't have a scratch on them. Both had broken necks and their eyeballs sucked out cleanly. Since those experiences, I'm now scared to go hiking and travel at night. Yes, average signs of fear, but 
I have the weird feeling of being an intruder. Thank you for your time. Sincerely, Sean Murray, P.S. I'm a believer. I've lived in Florida my whole life. My sisters and me grew up playing in the woods. They were more than a few times we got weird feelings like we were being followed and we would end up running all the way home. We also found what looked like walking sticks with animal skulls on top and the sticks were decorated with beads. We lived in the middle of nowhere, which made it more creepy because we never ran into anyone else out there. One instance that really sticks out, though, is something that happened to my wife, my son, and me about a year ago. We were checking out a new area to hunt later on in the year. We were walking down a game trail and came up to a big rabbit sitting in the middle of the trail, just staring at us, and no matter how close we got to it, it wouldn't move, and the woods were quite as could be. Out of nowhere he darts the way we came in and stops and stares at us again. So we start walking towards him and darts down the trail again, but stopped. It was like he wanted us to follow him, so we did. He ended up leading us to a cool little creek where it seemed like he disappeared. We ate lunch and spent the rest of the day there, but we had an intuition not to go back down that trail. I wasn't alone when this happened. When I was 14, about six years and 11 months ago, my scout troop was doing a backpacking trip out in northeastern Oregon. It was some seriously isolated country. The nearest town, with a population of like 70, was about 50 miles as the crow flies away. Nearest town, with a population of more than a couple hundred, was probably about 100 miles away. In the nearest population center, you could call a city, was easily hundreds of miles away. We were probably the only people out there for dozens of Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Miles in any direction. One night after a hard day of hiking in the hot August heat, we were sitting around the fire just relaxing around midnight. 14 people not including me. 12 scouts between the ages of 12 and almost 18, and two adult scout leaders. No drugs or alcohol, because it was a Boy Scout thing. We were just shooting the shit when we saw this gigantic, bright, glittering orb slowly moving across the sky. It was a full moon without a cloud in the sky that night, and it was easily twice the size of the moon and a couple times brighter. We thought it was a comet or something, but I've never seen any pictures or videos on the internet that even came close to resembling it. It was just so bright and glittering. We sat there awestruck because it was quite beautiful. Then it just stops in midair, just hangs there for a couple seconds. Then it break up into five smaller but just as bright orbs, two dart into the sky incredibly fast and disappears from sight in seconds. One goes parallel to the ground and also disappears from sight with seconds, and two go towards the ground until the terrain, about ten or so miles away, obscures them from view. Then another orb, just as big and bright, appears and does the same thing, stops in midair and breaks up. Now that was weird, but the weirdest thing was this odd feeling I started feeling fear, dread, anger, hate. None of those can describe it. 
It was like whatever part of me that assigns emotions to stimuli just could not decide what emotion to assign to this. It just knew it was bad and wrong somehow. The consensus around the campfire was that everyone was feeling the same thing. We had no reason to feel this, but we were all feeling it. Even one of our scoutmasters, a Marine Corps infantry vet who served in Vietnam and had 25 years of law enforcement experience at the time, was seriously freaked out. Then we heard footsteps all around our camp. I know the difference between animal footsteps and human footsteps. Animals walk with a lot of caution. They walk for a bit, stop and scope out the area, walk for a bit, and repeat. Especially when there are a dozen plus humans around. Humans just keep walking, they don't have any caution generally. And the frequency of the steps is different. These were human, or at least human sounding. And a lot of them it sounded like a bunch of people just pacing around our campsite. Flashlights revealed nothing. We should have seen them. The steps sounded close, but it looked like no one was there. Just footsteps. The next day there were no tracks. No broken branches or downtrodden plants like you would expect to see. For the rest of the trip, we had someone on lookout every night. I'm not saying this was aliens or some government project or ghosts. I'm not sure if I even believe in those. I'm saying I saw something seriously weird, and I'm not jumping to any conclusions. When I asked the other guys who were there if they remember it, the response is always something to the effect of, Yes, I remember, but let's please not talk about it. Edit. Also, one time when I was hiking out in the Cascades during the winter, I found a deer skull sitting atop a pile of snow. No footprints around, no snow on the skull, so it had somehow ended up there pretty recently. I was in the mountains of North Carolina for several days. It was a beautiful and peaceful hiking trip with my brother's sister and their friend Caleb, until one early morning around 3 a.m., when every creature in a ten-mile radius was chirping, squeaking, howling, or scampering around through the woods. Being from the Midwest and having survived two tornadoes, I thought the worst weather event of my life was about to occur, and I was sleeping in a hammock. For those who don't know, just before a tornado is formed above your head, every animal is fight will be freaking the F out. They know. They can feel it. You can feel it too. You just won't know what that new feeling is until the 60-year-old trees beside you are being ripped from the ground. Being in the eye of a tornado is even more strange, as all those same animals inside are frozen. Sure. They still exist, but their little soul is on hold, and they don't do much more than look around quietly. It's creepy. Anyway, this wasn't a tornado. 3 a.m., the fire we made was just ambers and a roaring thunder of animals freaking out. I peeked my head out of my hammock, imagining getting my face smashed in by the first softball-sized hail with my luck just for looking. But no, there was no bad weather. There was no storm or looming catastrophe. It was a beautiful night, aside from the roaring animal kingdom. My brother peeked his head out of hammock above me and looked down to see if I was awake. When he saw my eyes as wide as saucers, he whispered, What the F is happening? I replied, I don't know. But I wish I was up there in your hammock. Being on the ground level usually is best for guys my size. Up 235 pounds. I lacked the grace to clam up hammock ropes and jump into bed eight feet off the ground. Anyway, the terrifyingly creepy roaring continued for about 30 seconds, and then it just suddenly stopped. It seemed to be a sweeping effect, where the outside of the radius stopped first and the creatures closer to us stopped last, but it was only a single second or two difference. It was pretty damn synchronized. My brother and I were freaked the F out. After five minutes of silence, we got out of the hammocks and started the fire up again. This time, we made sure it was big enough to light up a hundred feet out. The last thing we need is a Bigfoot or some weird shit going down. My brother went up to the ridge to check on my sister and Caleb, about sixty feet uphill from our hammocks. 
Caleb always wanted to be in the highest possible safe spot so he could watch the sunrise from his hammock. As soon as my brother got to their hammocks, he yelled a shrieking kind of yell for me, the kind I had only heard from him twice before, when his friend got his bike handlebar lodged in his stomach about an inch deep as a kid, and when he split his own head open. I ran up to the ridge with the axe in my right hand, the first aid bag in my left hand and flashlight in my teeth, expecting the worst. When I arrived to Caleb's bottom bunk, he was in a state of shock. His eyes were wide open. He was shivering and shaking, and he was staring down at the valley. Wouldn't you know? My sister didn't even wake up. Figures low, she had her headphones in all night, listening to her folk music. Apparently, she hates the sound of animals and prefers to have a controlled mental state where nothing can make her paranoid. We woke her up, and she had no idea what the hell was going on. She just stayed in her hammock like, what do you want me to do? We eventually got Caleb down to the fire and wrapped him in some blankets. I gave him a shot of whiskey to sip on, but he mostly just held it and stared into the fire. The whole night was too weird for sleep, but Caleb finally laid down next to the fire and fell asleep around 4.45 a.m. The sun came up and my siblings and I decided to leave the fire and go see the sunrise from the ridge. We all sat in Caleb's hammock, still bewildered. The sun was perfect, and Caleb picked out the best spot you could imagine, as usual. But then my brother spotted something strange. What's that? He said, pointing down the valley, right there on the bank of the river. My sister and I struggled to get his perspective, but then finally noticed a clearing. We decided to go check it out, but one of us had to stay with Caleb. My sister volunteered, as she hates creepy things. She didn't want us to go down, but we insisted. I left her my axe and emergency GPS signal thing. I told her to just scream if she needed us and to not hesitate to use her pepper spray. She just said, stop freaking me out and just go. I'll be here when you get back. So my brother and I hiked down to the river. It took about 20 minutes. When we arrived, we felt very uncomfortable. There were no animals around whatsoever. No birds, no squirrels, nothing. The clearing on the river bank was about 100 yards upstream. We took to the higher side of the bank to keep our distance. I don't think either of us actually expected anything to go down, but we wanted to remain cautious. When we were about 50 yards away at a slight elevation to the clearing, we pulled out our phones to take pictures. But our phones were dead. Mine is known to die, but I have an external battery pack that attaches to my otter box that I know was fully charged. My brother's phone is always reliable and usually attached to his portable solar panel charger that he keeps on the outside of his pack. His shit was dead, too. Both of us tried to hold our power buttons, not believing they were really dead. But when we realized they were definitely not going to turn on, we both got that paranoid look on our faces. We decided to leave but not before carefully studying the clearing for a few seconds. It was about 100 feet across in the shape of a triangle. All of the bushes and plants that typically grow alongside the river were all flattened down, even some mature azalea bushes that typically stand six. Eight feet tall were eerily laying flat. It's as if everything in that triangle shape had bent down as close to the ground as it could get. Nothing appeared broken, but rather as if it had grown along the earth instead of growing up toward the sun. It was weird as shit, and only in that triangle area. When we got back to camp, Caleb was awake. My sister had a weird look on her face. Caleb was totally normal. Hey, bro, you all right? My brother asked. Caleb just casually answered. Yeah, man, doing well. Missed the sunrise, but I guess I needed to sleep. We just looked at him, concerned. Like, what the F? He was eating a breakfast bar and heating up coffee over the fire. We sat down across from him, and I asked, So, hey, do you remember that shit last night? He looked at me puzzled. My brother added, You know, when all the animals freaked out and we found you, he just looked so confused. My sister said, Caleb, stop playing. He asked, What are you talking about? My brother said, Bro, you were messed up last night. Caleb laughed and responded, 
Yeah, I figured I had to be, because I never sleep next to the fire all wrapped up in blankets. Not after getting that bug in my ear that one time, lo. We continued to ask him questions, but he had no memory whatsoever. As far as he was concerned, he had a few too many drinks and slept next to the fire. We told him our story, and each of us agreed, but he had no recollection. We told him about the spot next to the river and how our phones wouldn't turn on. We pulled our phones out to show him, and they were already on. My brother had 67% battery, and mine had 41%. We got the creeps real quick. We decided to pack up camp and get the F away from that spot. But before we did a final sweep, Caleb asked, Have you guys seen my camera? He had a nice DSLR Sony with a nice lens. And that shit was gone. The weirdest part is he slept with it in his hammock every single time he goes camping, and we've never seen it, not on his body. He even specifically remembered taking it to bed and tucking it in its bag and putting the lens in its sleeve. It's like a ritual for him. He takes super good care of his belongings. We searched around the ridge and all around the fire and in between the two spots. It was nowhere to be found. Caleb even went down the ridge a bit toward the river, in case it had fallen out and rolled down the hill. But it was gone. We had to leave, and my siblings and I agreed to pitch in to buy him a new one if he would just get the F out of there with us. About three miles and one hour later, my brothers turned to me on the trail and said, Do you think he tried to take a picture of some shit he wasn't supposed to see? The creepiest feeling swept over me. And I replied, bro, let's just forget how messed up he was and get the hell away from here. He nodded in agreement. It's been about a year now, and they haven't seen or heard from Caleb in eight months. No one has. I was working at around 2 a.m. on the north end of my jurisdiction on a dirt road that dipped slightly down in elevation into a tamarack and red-white pine swamp. I'm patrolling along the road because it's a known back way for drunk drivers to take to avoid the main route at bar time in between neighboring villages. Just south of me a quarter mile as the crow flies is a small Native American reservation populated with residential but I'm essential working somewhere that I shouldn't see anyone other than passing vehicles. Certainly no one on foot. It's in summer, early fall, where the days are warm, but the nights were cold. As I'm driving, I have my window down, enjoying the brisk temps. I'm a Wisconsin, and for some reason I was driving fairly slow, probably only about 20 miles per hour. Off to my left, I hear very distinctly the sound of water thrashing, and my mind initially thinks I hear maybe a deer or a bear running through the water. Had seen a black bear the night before, near where I was, on this night. I came to a quick stop and used my spotlight and left alley takedown floodlight to hit where I thought I'd see something like the black bear. Fella! but there was zero movement, just the sound of weighty water slushing away from me. Where I was looking was not thick with woods, but more adolescent pines and smaller underbrush with a dry ridge only 50 yards away from me. I had lots of clear sight lines in between larger pines to the hill past the water. I estimated the water to be only maybe a foot deep, but as I'm seeing nothing make the sounds that I'm hearing, my mind then thinks that maybe it's a someone in the water, but hiding behind a tree to avoid me, and so I have a concern for them because of how cold it was that morning. But I see nothing. The sounds of water moving was very distinct, and to me sounded bipedal and head in. My perception was telling me that I should be seeing something only a couple dozen feet away from me, but there was just the sound. I called out asking if anyone was there, but nothing. The swishing of water stopped, and I saw nothing walking up the ridge as if it had cleared the water. I didn't spend much longer looking into the barely lit woods over the water. I rolled my window up and continued on briefly, hoping that I hadn't stranded a guy in the dark, cold, wet woods. That's what my rational mind was thinking. But there was definitely a shit alarm going off in my lizard brain, telling me to boot-scoot the F out of there the moment I didn't see anything running through the water. 
It was a back-of-the-neck tingly moment. The noise was so loud enough to hear it while driving in a vehicle, but there was only the pretty calm shimmer of the water and nothing that I could see running through a foot of water. This happened two falls ago, and I remember that morning every time I drive through there. As a former paramedic and nurse, I've seen a lot of things that have made me question the nature of our existence. But one aspect of the job, in particular, stands out as evidence of something beyond our understanding. Have you ever seen someone die? I mean really die, not just slip into a coma or vegetative state. I've seen people die, and yet their body carries on for hours, almost as if they're still alive, but something has left them. It's hard to describe, but you can tell when someone is no longer there. It's like the light has gone out of their eyes. Their body is just an empty vessel. But here's the thing. I've also seen the opposite happen. In traumatic deaths, when the body is failing and should be giving up, the person keeps on fighting. It's almost as if their will to live is stronger than their body's ability to keep going. I know this may not be proof of a higher power or the afterlife, but it does prove to me that there's more to our existence than we can comprehend. It's a humbling and awe-inspiring realization to know that there's still so much we don't understand about life and death, and it's made me more grateful for every moment I have on this earth. I'm working a maintenance job midnight to 5 a.m. in the old Denver Light and Gas Building, 15th and Champa, downtown Denver. There's a few people around there during the day, but after hours, the place is pretty empty. I'm working by myself and haven't seen a person all night. I go to the bathroom on the third floor, which is a narrow, long room. Walk in the door, two urinals directly to your left then two stalls after, then a sink against the wall behind the stalls, then interior wall of the building. I hit the first urinal, and as I'm finishing, I hear plain as day, the sink turn on, and a variances in the water noise like someone is washing their hands. I zip up turn, and the sink stops, so I just stand at the end of the stall, because there's maybe two feet between the stalls and the wall that leads to the sink, and it just dead ends at the sink so there's not really room for two people to pass each other and definitely not enough room at the sink for two people. It only took maybe two or three seconds, but I'm like WTF. There's nobody else in here with me. I wasn't tired. I can honestly say I heard what I heard, and I don't get freaked out imagining things. It's the only one thing in my life that I've ever experienced like that. Been there several times after and haven't heard anything like it since. I have been a park ranger in a national park located in England for just over ten years. I'm not going to reveal which one or even the county for the sake of my job, as I still work here. But there are some pretty weird things that you find every so often while on shift. Things that my superiors would likely not appreciate me sharing online. My job mainly involves patrolling the trails and checking that they're all in a safe state for people to walk through. I was also asked to talk with school children and assemblies and such after about a year or so on the job to express how important it is to stay with the group on the trails. I gave pretty obvious reasons for this, but... Little did I know I would soon discover some of the horrifying truths as to why they should never wander off. The first story I'm going to share with you took place on a beautiful spring morning in June. I think this was during my first year on the job. The sun was still low in the sky, but it was slowly rising and brightening my surroundings. I was on a normal morning patrol through one of the deeper trails as it hadn't been checked recently and protocol to frequently check all the trails for fallen trees and any potential natural hazards to hikers. It was such a beautiful morning. I remember walking along with a slight smile on my face as I listened to nature waking up in the trees. I found the cool breeze very relaxing and it had a truly peaceful effect on my mood. 
Suddenly, the trees to my left were filled with the sounds of birds squawking loudly as they frantically flew away. I stopped and listened for just a moment. Silence. The quote from another story I've read here reads very true to this situation. Prey is silent when predators are near. Now, understand that we don't have any bears or wolves here in England. Nothing like that. So I suppose it could be a deer that had snapped a twig. However, the noise wouldn't usually drop like that as deer don't pose much of a threat to wildlife at all. I continued on, not thinking anything of it, and after a short time I got the urge to check behind me. There was a man walking maybe 100 meters back, and I was on a long straight, so it was easy to tell. I was confused as the trails aren't usually used until a little later when early dog walkers would show up, and even then, few would wander this far into the woods at this time. He seemed to be walking at a very relaxed pace, his hands in his dark blue hoodie's pockets, and he had faded blue jeans. I radioed over to ask if anyone had seen someone enter the trail. I was walking shortly after I left, but no one had seen anyone come in or out other than the occasional dog walker. I thought nothing of it, but continued on a slightly hurried pace. I usually wouldn't be bothered about it, being out on my own with another stranger. I wasn't a small bloke, nor someone to get spooked easily. However, this guy just gave me a bad feeling. I was approaching a gate that leads to a much denser area of the woodland, more like a thick forest. And as I closed the gate behind me, I noticed this man had stopped dead in his tracks. He seemed to be staring right at me, but I couldn't be sure. Then he broke into a sprint, not a light jog that somebody out for exercise might. I'm talking a full-on sprint. It was almost aggressive. I freaked out and turned to run. Why would a complete stranger who was previously so calm and relaxed suddenly be sprinting at me? He hadn't called for help or even waved to me. Fortunately, the trail's long straight section was over and I ran. Around a curve and hid behind one of the many large rocks that were by the side of the trail. I could hear his heavy footsteps thudding towards me right until he was just on the other side of the rock, and he stopped again dead in his tracks. He wasn't even out of breath. He just seemed to stand there for a while and then just walked off. I waited for what must have been close to ten minutes to be sure he was far ahead and radioed the strange encounter to my colleagues who agreed it was strange. I cautiously continued on with my patrol. I never saw that strange man again, and I hope I never do. I have many more memories I would like to share with you. Stay safe out there. You are rarely truly alone in the forest.